Science is real from the Big Bang to DNA. Science is real from everything. You're listening to the Science of the Local podcast with me, Hamish Clark, and today I'm joined by Desi Quintins, a PhD candidate at Western Sydney Uni. Hello, Desi. happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, for having me. Thank you for letting me have you. <laughs> I'll edit that bit out. Um, uh, I thought maybe you could start by telling the listeners what you're working on in your PhD. Yeah, well, sure. Um, I'm studying the uh, plant-insect interactions between native Australian legumes and the insects that eat their seeds. Okay, so how did you get into that? Uh, well, kind of a convoluted story. I was actually... Tell us. We like convoluted <laughs> oh, stories. Wait. I bet you do. Um, I used to be a pastry chef, so I'm a qualified pastry chef. Did that for about five years. Wow. And then after I had enough of that, I decided that I should really go back to university because mm-hmm. I didn't feel ready when, mm-hmm. I, left uni- when I left high school. Mm-hmm. But came back and started doing some molecular biology stuff. Mm-hmm. And that led me into ecology, which no is no connection with molecular gastronomy. Then you're oh, just no. <laughs> interested in molecular biology. Not at all. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, um, fell into ecology basically, and mm-hmm. um, worked on some insect projects during my undergrad years, mm-hmm. and eventually wound up here with this wow. project. Wow, I like a nice winding tale. That's that's one of the the best things I think that comes out of the the talks that we have at our science in the pub, uh, and the the podcast is. Uh, some people are worried that there's a kind of a straight linear path that they have to be on. They have to know what they're going to do. But there's yeah, so many uh, fascinating turns and twists that your your career can take. I agree. It's a lot to ask people to know exactly what they're doing, mm. um, especially when they're very young. So um, I don't even know what I'm doing now. <laughs> oh, um, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Excellent. We've got a lot in common. So, um, so you studied molecular biology and kind of fell into ecology. So. Um, what about the PhD project then? Uh, did you kind of fall into that or did you go through a bit of a search process? Um, well, um, after my undergrad, um, I was doing, well, I was in the advanced science um, mm-hmm. uh, course, which in Western Sydney University allows us to do some um, uh, short six-month research projects, mm-hmm. which is really good for students who are not quite sure if they want to do research mm-hmm. because then mm-hmm. they get to see how the sausage is made, basically. Yeah. Um, for my honors year, I did a project where I looked at the population genetics of the Morton Bay fig. Um, it's um, a fig that grows along the east coast of Australia from about Kayama to Brisbane naturally. But there's also a disjunct population in Lord Howe Island, which mm. is a couple hundred kilometers off the coast. Yep. And we wanted to know how did it, um, which came first, Lord Howe Island or the mainland. Okay. And um, worked on that for nine months. Mm-hmm. And then after that, um, I still came onto this project because- Did you get an answer to the question? Uh, <laughs> well- <laughs> Sorry um, to interrupt you. <laughs> let me try to remember the answer. That's okay. Might <laughs> not be sure. relevant here, yeah. Yeah, I'd rather not say if I don't- That's remember. fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a, an excellent advice for all, all scientists too. Is, uh, <laughs> you don't have to give an answer if you don't, don't know one. It's okay to say I don't know. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, carry on. You did that um, uh, as part of your kind of undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then- um, PhD project came on um, as a continuation of that kind of theme with mm. um, one of the super with both of the supervisors that I had for my honors. Actually. Okay, so you weren't burned enough by the experience to go no, looking somewhere else. No, I, I was still willing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hopefully, the PhD hasn't changed your mind about that. 
Um, and so are there elements of field work then? Are you working with, you know, the legumes yeah. and the insects? Um, some One of the things I really like about ecology is that there's a really nice mix of lab work mm -hmm. and field work and also computer work. Mm -hmm. So um, I, for the first two years of my PhD, I went to the field basically every week to look at what the legumes were doing to collect ripe legume pods, mm -hmm. to get all the insects that were emerging out of the legume pods, because mm -hmm. the way these things work is that they um, ovulate, they lay eggs into mm -hmm. the pods, and then eventually they hatch out after they had eaten all the seeds. Mm -hmm. So I was collecting them, which is a really nice study system. It's like mm -hmm. you collect a pod, it comes with definite mm -hmm. insect associations. It's mm -hmm. very neat and, okay. easy and easy to wrap your head around. Mm -hmm. Um, aside from field work, I was also doing lab work, um, extracting DNA, mm -hmm. DNA barcoding to mm -hmm. identify the insects that were coming out of the things. Right. Because they don't always come out as adults. Sometimes okay. they come out as larvae and it's very difficult to tell them apart. Uh, okay. Right. That's pretty cool. So, um, are they all kind of known species? Are you discovering anything? Yeah. So one of my co-supervisors, mm -hmm. Tony Old, um, with National Parks and Wildlife. Uh, Tony, yeah. OH. Hello, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He used to work in the same section as me at OH, in the climate oh, change nice. science section. There you go. But he, he wasn't in the same office, so I kind mm -hmm. of caught up with him at section meetings and stuff. Oh, he's been around a while. He has, yeah. One of those uh, venerable scientists. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Carry yeah. On. Um, mm -hmm. I inherited his um, data set, basically, so mm -hmm. back in the mid-80s, mm. he looked at exactly the system, mm -hmm. um, looking at which insects emerged from which legumes, and he found that there was some um, genus-level specificity mm -hmm. between the genera of insects that came out of particular genera of legumes. Mm -hmm. And I'm continuing that work, except I'm looking only at the Blue Mountains region, specifically mm -hmm. because the Blue Mountains gives us an elevation gradient mm -hmm. where you have really warm temperatures on the bottom mm -hmm. and then at the height, at the top end of the mountain, you've got uh, minus six degrees of temperature. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a gradient that you can try to use to understand uh, climate change. Yeah, okay. All right. So have you factored in climate change or is that something you might look at down the track? Or? Um, climate change is a central part of my research. Okay, um, great. I've divided the mountain into three zones, which is a low elevation and a mid and a high. Mm -hmm. And as I said, we have six degrees of temperature difference between mm -hmm. the two. Um, among these elevation zones, we see a big difference in um, the plant communities and also in the insect communities. And I'm also mm -hmm. seeing a difference in the uh, legumes that, in the, that different kinds of insects come out of. Mm -hmm. So we see host shifts as well in response to, I think, climate that that mm -hmm. we're seeing. Yeah, okay. So are you asking, um, you know, what, what would happen, say, if the temperature rose by two degrees mm -hmm. or if, if rainfall patterns changed or would, would some species have nowhere to go, that kind of thing? Yes, exactly. So mm -hmm. you have um, a possible spatial mismatch between – so um, let's go back a sec. <laughs> sure. um, with insects and – with insect herbivores, they tend to have a high specificity to whatever it is they eat. Mm -hmm. We like to say that there's an ancestral uh, food source, an ancestral mm -hmm. resource, mm -hmm. especially if they also use this plant to complete their life cycle, which mm -hmm. these insects do mm -hmm. since they oviposit inside the pod and then mm -hmm. the pod shelters mm -hmm. their young. Mm -hmm. um, when they host shift, we see that there might be some physiological changes <laughs> in the larva, like perhaps the larvae uh, spend longer in the pods, perhaps they grow uh, larger, 
perhaps they don't grow in the same abundances. Mm -hmm. And perhaps they switch to entirely different hosts mm -hmm. entirely. Mm -hmm. Right, so all those things, some possible kind of, yeah, responses. Yeah. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so um, uh, when you say legumes, I uh, naively think of like, you know, chickpeas. <laughs> um, but clearly there's a lot more to the story than that. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on um, what kind of plants you're talking about? Yeah. Um, mm. The most famous no, I'm one. I'm at all. So hopefully <laughs> some of my listeners will, this will make more sense to them. <laughs> uh, no, it'll be fine. Um, uh, the most uh, famous example of a native Australian legume is, of course, the acacias. Um, basically, um, linifolia, terminalis, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, you'd expect to see uh, woody pods and seeds inside them. Mm -hmm. The ones that people don't generally think of are bossius, are um, hovia, indigofera, uh, dolwinia, and podolobium. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure these are the only ones. Mm -hmm. But I have so many. I've got 60 mm -hmm. different species of legumes that I've found throughout the mountain, and I wow. know that there's many more. Awesome. So throughout this project, I've been surveying about 48% of whatever um, legume richness has been recorded in the Atlas of Living Australia. So wow. it's a big effort. Yeah, that's, you sound very busy <laughs> and very productive. I was, uh, I was looking at your website earlier and I noticed that you've dabbled in productivity, <laughs> um, developing software and tips, and this is a, an area of keen interest to myself and perhaps many other <laughs> scientists and workers. Can you share some of your um, insights or at least tell us you know, the kind of things you've gotten up to and why? Oh, yeah, um, I really like the idea of getting software to do repetitive work for you. Mm -hmm. So I've written software that does um, key, automates keystrokes for you. I've written software that iterates on lists. So let's say um, if I have a list of species names mm -hmm. and I would like to know what those species look like by doing a Google search, mm -hmm. I can put in this list mm -hmm. and then tell it, please run a Google image search mm -hmm. on every entry on this list and mm -hmm. it will do it for me. Um, there are other really more simple productivity tools like um, a, a note-taking program called Scratchpad mm -hmm. that just sits in the background of whatever you're doing and if you need to commit some quick notes, mm -hmm. you just hit a key, mm -hmm. start typing, make it go away by hitting escape. Mm -hmm. It's just that kind of... Cool. So is that... Uh, were you developing her computing skills while you were a pastry chef? Or Yes, actually. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So um, ever since high school, and then um, they've gotten a lot of use in my PhD. I'm really happy mm. that I have that kind of experience. Mm. Um, I've been writing a lot of R. I've been writing some R packages as well, mm -hmm. and that's come in handy. wrote a mm. package called Shelf, mm -hmm. which is like a one-stop shop for installing and detaching packages from mm. CRAN and GitHub mm -hmm. and, uh, and Bioconductor, and mm. that's probably my most famous one. But wow. package uh, development is definitely something that I think people should always dabble in. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I was kind of um, surprised and a little bit mortified to discover was how important computers are in, in climate <laughs> science. I, I liked computers as a kid and I still like computers, but when I see the impressive skills uh, and aptitude that, that people have, it can be a bit intimidating. Mm. Is it something that you just enjoy or you kind of feel like you need, you should do to kind of get the most out of things or I always enjoyed it mm. I also think that um, it's a skill that everybody should be taught in school mm -hmm. but I think it's really important not to be too elitist about it mm -hmm. 
it's easy to criticize other people's code, mm. for example. But the <laughs> the important thing is to get the job done mm. at the end mm. of the day. Mm. And so um, it's good to strive for perfect code, but it's one of those goals that you'll never mm. uh, reach ever. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> oh, where am I? Um, so you seem like you've been able to, to combine... Um, a few things that you like, you know, with the field work and the computing, and mm-hmm. um, uh, you, presumably there's uh, some uh, policy or agricultural implications for some of your work. Is that the kind of uh, thing that gets the funders' attention? <laughs> what do you need to kind of? Uh, what are some of the selling points, I guess, for for you know your supervisors and yourself in, in grants and things like that? The core thing really is to um, understand how insects shift to different hosts in climate change, mm-hmm. you, um, in conditions of climate disruption. Mm-hmm. You can imagine that this kind of thing is would be more important to understand um, for things like food crops, mm-hmm. um, especially because legumes are an important food crop, mm-hmm. not just for humans, but also for livestock. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got, personally, I think I really like the legume system as um as a study system by itself Mm. like i mentioned before um it's a really good way to study insect plant interactions because these insects go directly to the pod and Mm. they stay there later they emerge self-contained yeah Mm. it's very self-contained and Mm. that's very different from studying herbivory and other plants Mm. where you have to actually observe this insect eating this leaf Mm -hmm. or you have to dig up a bit of ground to see that an insect is eating the roots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, I, I didn't mean to imply that that was the reason that you're doing the work, but it's something <laughs> that's probably in the minds of, of many scientists is how can they justify their, their work mm. because it is competitive. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, is it the kind of the climate change side you're saying is something that probably has the most interest in them? Uh, yeah, the various agricultural applications. Yeah. Um, so uh, how's the PhD going? Do you want um, to ask? No, it's going good. Um, there are, of course, always um, delays. So I have mm. uh, honestly gone over my time. Mm. But it's it's important to concentrate on just making progress mm-hmm. and to try not to get bogged down too much by mm. the minutiae. Mm. Do, you, do you feel like your previous experience kind of outside uh, academia has been useful to, to um, bring into it? To be honest, I wish that I had gone into my PhD much sooner after. Mm-hmm. I wish that I had been able to hop directly from being a pastry chef to doing a PhD uh, okay. somehow. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, when I was a pastry chef, I had an amazing work ethic. Mm. And I, okay. I wish I could get back Chefs to work things. hard. I've known a couple and I've always been kind mm-hmm. of... Blows my mind. You the know, quality of the work is very different too. That's mm-hmm. a, a really big difference that I saw because mm-hmm. um, when you're doing pastry, there's a point where everything is done. Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. take a bit of bread out of the oven and it's mm-hmm. done and you can sell mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. with science, you never really reach the point of, mm-hmm. I am done with this thing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because um, <clears throat> I guess not everyone is in it for the same reason. Some people are passionate about conservation or animals or... Some people are really interested in the management implications mm. and some people just like doing, you know, the analyses and things like that. Mm. So I guess it's a broad church, but um, a very different uh, payoff, if you like. Mm. You, do you need to be rewarded by publications or, <laughs> or uh, yeah, or, or whatever it is? Um, 
Uh, and so, yeah, how do you find the, the day-to-day of it then? Um, hmm. I generally like it, actually. Mm. So overall, I'm happy to be in a PhD. Mm. Um, I think it's a really nice experience. It's a thing that I had dreamed about ever since I was a kid, really. So yeah, it's okay. just one of, yeah, it's like That's a combination cool. of a lifelong dream. To be a scientist. Yeah. To do research. Well, you are a scientist. <laughs> do you think you're going to stick around? Have you thought about a I life post-PhD? So. I mean, um, would you like to do a postdoc or travel? Or? Yeah, I would like to do a postdoc. My, my enthusiasm for staying in science is tempered by the reality of mm. having to compete for science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really tough. Mm. Um, so have you considered, would you, you know, you'd like ideally find a, lo- a local postdoc? Would that be your kind of... Mm-hmm. I, I would like to, to stay within Australia. Curious. Yeah, okay. yeah, I would like mm-hmm. to stay in Australia. I think mm-hmm. that there's a lot of really good work to do here. Mm-hmm. I think that um, we are at an important time mm-hmm. um, politically, climatically, mm-hmm. and I think that there's a lot of ground to be covered. Mm-hmm. Um, we need a little bit more investment from mm-hmm. the political side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement with you there. <laughs> um, one of the things I like to try and think about is is work that's somehow scientifically interesting and useful but also has the potential to have some kind of impact on society. Mm. So, um, you know, I work in, in bushfire at the moment and so I think the sweet spot for me is work that's, yeah, that's uncovering something novel and useful but actually right. has a chance to somehow sway decision makers or the community or mm. politicians or whoever. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's not easy. I, I, I'm not at all an expert on it, but that's a kind of an ideal that I hold. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on how you kind of uh, target the research, if you like, or what you, you'd like to achieve there? Mm, part of that has been in the jobs that I've been trying to find. So mm. I've been applying for things like postdocs in mm-hmm. um, food, crops. Mm-hmm. Like um, There was a nice one about wheat in mm-hmm. earwigs, mm-hmm. Um, things like that. Just trying to um, find some policy areas where I can maybe do work that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you're satisfied, uh, kind of intellectually, just by doing the work as well, it doesn't mm-hmm. all have to have a, an impact. Or, no, that's true. And certainly, there's lots of fields where you, you know the impacts are mysterious and can happen years or decades later. Really, so, the goal is to be happy. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a good goal worth having and an elusive one too. Well. Um, uh, I think we've covered a fair bit. Thank you very much yeah. for your time. Dude. You're welcome. And all the best with your PhD. Thank you. You've been listening to the Science at the Local podcast, available on iTunes, soundcloud.com slash science at the local, and all good podcast providers. Science at the Local is not just a podcast. It's also a series of bi-monthly talks by expert and engaging scientists delivered in a cosy setting to the good folk of the Blue Mountains. To find out more, go to facebook.com slash scienceatthelocal. Science at the Local is run by me, Hamish Clark, and Kevin Joseph. We're supported by the Inspiring Australia program of the Commonwealth Government and those good folk in the mountains I mentioned earlier. If you've got some time to kill on the internet, why don't you go to the show notes page on our website, scienceatthelocal.wordpress.com slash podcast. Science is real.